We are live. Fantastic. Welcome to the fourth and final round of the Global Women Podcast Editors Panels on Geopets Podcasting. My name is Stephanie Fuccio, and I am the host, producer, and of course, the editor of Geopets Podcasting, which is part of the Geopets Podcast Network. That's a lot of the word podcast within the first few seconds, and that probably won't stop because we are talking about podcast editing throughout this entire hour today. First, I'm going to give you a quick overview of the event of myself, and then we'll go around and do, and we're going to go around and do self-introductions, then we'll dive into some conversation about our own podcast editing. We are here today because of, well, podcast editing in in women's groups on Facebook. That's kind of what started my own journey. And then I ended up writing an, a post on it on the podcast host and just having more and more and more conversations. And I wanted different platforms. And so this these panels grew organically. This is the fourth of them. And the other three in podcast and in video form are available in different areas, but specifically on Geopets Podcasting website, which I'll put in the links. And in your podcast app, you can find the Geopets Podcasting episodes. As far as myself, I've been a podcaster for about four years. One podcast grew into many, and I edited all of them, but rather focusing a lot more on content than on the technical side for the first three years. And it's just the past year, I've really fallen down a very big doll rabbit hole and started to play more with what I could do with it technically. And I feel like I've only just scratched the surface. So I'm excited to hear what other people do and to pick the brains of other experienced podcast editors during these sessions. Um, that also led me to do a podcast editing newsletter, which is available every Thursday, and you can sign up at stephfuccio.com. All right, so um, that's enough about me and the event. Let's go around and meet our panelists. Daniela, can you start us off? Hello, my name is Daniela. I am the host, producer, and of course, editor of the podcast Moldovan Abroad, because I'm originally from Republic of Moldova, but I've been living abroad for quite a few years. And I'm also a self-taught artist, and the podcast is around interviewing people. But what I also do is paint a little portrait for each of one of each one of my guests. And uh, I've been editing since I started nearly a year ago, and it's always a learning curve with editing for me. And I'm delighted to be on this um, panel today and to learn from you guys as well. So it's exciting. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Sofia. Hi, everyone. I'm Sofia. I'm from Serbia. I'm podcast editor and audio editor and video editor from this year. <laughs> I have been studying sound recording and design at Faculty of Dramatic Arts in Belgrade. And after that, I worked in film industry. And I fell in love in podcasting and then revert to podcasting. And now I'm in podcasting for the past four years. And it was been great. I, I really enjoy uh, listening to podcasts while editing. And it is pure pleasure to work on that, that job. Great. And Christine. Hey, everyone. I'm Christine Job. I am an American that is based in Barcelona, Spain, and I am the host, producer, and of course, editor of my podcast, Flourish in the Foreign. I launched my podcast um, of May 2020, and the editing has been so amazing. It's been an amazing journey of 
truly being self-taught and learning styles and really understanding how you want to communicate and different kind of storytelling. So I'm really excited to get in deep with you all and chat about it. Fantastic. And let's dive into that. The first question is, what do you like? Like what kind of podcast editing? Not just what you what do you do with your podcast editing, but what are the parts of it that you seriously enjoy? Um, Sophia, do you want to start us off? Sure. I really enjoy uh, to see how everything falls into one piece and, and uh, finish as a great product at the end. So that that is something that is really enjoyable to me because uh, sometimes you get some bad audio and you have to do a lot of cleaning and in the end people don't realize that when listening and that is great because you made something work even though it wasn't great at the beginning. But I also like some creative works and using music uh, to to have the emotions in the audio and and focusing on that branding side and different things that are very good to have, but listeners don't realize that either. So we are, so I'm behind the scene because I'm also just audio editor. I don't have my own podcast, so I think that I'm different because because of that. So I don't I don't see it as as podcasters. I see it like a sound engineer from that side. So is it mostly like the technical side of the cleanup that you really enjoy doing? I really I really enjoy putting everything together so so it fits nicely and I, I really enjoy, enjoy helping people to translate their their message into audio. So I, I like to help my clients in with everything to handhold them through all of the processes and, and help them learn how to record audio and how to get the best use of their podcast. Christine? I I really enjoy um, listening to the raw audio um, before editing or while, because for me, this, my style of podcast is very storytelling. It is a um, interview based, but it's really centered on my guest. I do VO, I do some narration, but I really try to take the interview that I conducted with my guest and formulate it into a story um, that makes sense, that is in integrity with what they told me, um, but that will still keep the audience captive and it will educate and will entice them. And so I guess it's twofold. I love listening to the story because I fall in love with just listening to them, even listening to their tics where you're like, oh, you say that a lot. Like that's a lot. <laughs> but it becomes endearing because, you know, it's it's the humanness. It's, it's what's relatable. Um, but then, of course, when you start listening to that raw audio and you start picking out those pieces and those things that could really be impactful for me that's when i start getting excited you know especially if it's a if it's a sometimes it's a hard audio like you're listening to it and you're like i love this person but where is it where is the story or where is the part that's going to pop and when it finally starts coming together um even before editing, kind of like I'm taking notes, I'm making marks and stuff like that. Um, that is my probably my favorite part when I when the story starts coming in my mind, and then I can start moving stuff around. Are there any you mentioned ticks that uh, people do? I know there's a big 
I don't know if controversy is the right word. There's a lot of discussions about how many of the ticks to take out and to leave into like conversations and interviews and, and, and podcasts in general. How intense do you get, Christine, with your, um, with your editing out uh, different, what people would may say would be mistakes, speaking mistakes out of the audio? I, you know, when I first started, I wanted to scrub it clean. And what I found is that I think that takes away um, some of the relatability, right? Like I just said, um, oh, like that's, I mean, it's relatable. We, we are human. And uh, I really wanted my podcast to feel as if my audience and the guests were actually kind of having a conversation, or at least the, the audience was, you know, kind of like uh, my friend and I'm introducing them to this guest. Like I wanted to feel intimate and to have that, you have to have these ticks. So I, I, I try to clean it up if it's going to be distracting or, you know, people have different types of accents and word patterns and I call it like cursive speak where like a lot of things kind of blend in and so if you try to cut it off it sounds kind of disjointed and strange and even if you try to clean it up so if it's going to sound like that I let it go but I I try to if it's going to be distracting I try to clean it up a little bit but I leave a lot of stuff I mean even when people kind of ramble I let it go for a little bit you know if they're trying to get to a point and then I might you know interject and be like, we need to get to a point. So I kind of come to a point where I, I want people to feel um, like I want to feel relatable. And I want also my guests to hear it and feel like that's them and not like a robot. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I love that cursive speech because that's, that also for me, I can kind of see it on the waveform too. You can see where there's breaks in the speaking and that's, that's a beautiful term. I like that. Um how about Daniela and Sophia? Would how much do you get rid of, or how much of those potential mistakes do you take out of your the audio? Um, it's interesting because actually at first I was only doing content editing and I wasn't taking any of that out. And the more I started to learn, the more I started applying um, all these tricks that I, I was learning. But then I I'm getting to a bit of more more of a balance, same as Christine Christine is saying. Uh, you you kind of want to still sound natural. You don't want to leave it raw and you you want to take out those things that are being repeated or those, you know, long uhs and mms and things like that. But um, uh, sometimes I just leave it if it's, you know, even the long pauses, sometimes they're relevant to the conversation. And although sometimes I try to reduce them, other times they're relevant to the conversation and I need it to feel as natural as it can feel. So I just leave them out, some of them. But it, it goes with the, you know, with the feeling, really. For me, I agree with, with both participants. Uh, it depends on the podcast style. So with some, some narrative podcasts, you want that long pauses, you want that, that dramatic things to, to happen. But with some business podcasts, you want it to sound clean and want it to sound on point. So it depends from client to client because not every podcast is the same. But I think you, you should preserve the flow and the natural style of talking because people, when they listen to their interview, they want to sound to hear their sounding like them, not like some robots. Very true. Very true. That's another good point about business podcasts is that they tend to be more time conscious of the episodes sometimes. So you do want to take out 
extraneous stuff, whereas tangents might be good in some like narrative podcasts or some some cultural ones for business ones. They really want to stay on point. So yeah, there might be more that would come out of them. So context matters a lot. Not the flow matters a lot. There's a lot of different factors in all of this. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Teme and to Susie over in the chat room. They're chatting it up about what y'all are saying. And, um, and they're agreeing with you quite a bit on what is going on, especially the cursive speech thing. Christine, I think we're all going to be quoting you pretty soon <laughs> on that. So Daniela, okay, how about you? What type of editing do you enjoy doing? So as I was saying earlier, I started with just doing uh, content editing. And then, you know, the more I started to learn about it, the more I started applying things and it got really exciting for me. And um, I enjoy listening, um, as same as Christine said, I enjoy listening to the episode because I get the same energy again, because I really get the nice energy while um, I interview people. And then re-listening to this, it just brings me joy and the smile on my face. Sometimes my boyfriend is actually laughing because I'm with my headphones listening to the episode and I just start laughing and he's looking at me, <laughs> what's happening? So I enjoy that bit. Um, and then of course, I enjoy applying all the new things that I learned during editing. And same as Sophia said, uh, the amount of work that you put to get a clean sound after is really satisfying because you see, especially with me, when I look back at the first episodes that I did and I compare them to what I can do now, you just feel satisfying and you just feel proud that you can do these things and you can, you know, clear some stuff out, you can sort things out, you can fix things that you didn't know about before and now you notice them more. But of course, uh, you get into... Uh, you know, into the whole of um, of paying attention to pay attention to everything, and sometimes you pay attention to little details that other people wouldn't notice. But then this is what gives uh, the listeners a great experience of just listening and enjoying, and not worrying about all the annoying bits that we worry about. <laughs> mm -hmm. That brings up a good point. Ah, do you ever, whether for your own podcast or for clients, do you ever get this? the feeling like once you learn how to do something better that you want to go back and fix it in the older episodes that you've worked on? I'm just going to well, throw this up there. <laughs> I just did that yesterday, actually, because mm -hmm. um, I listened uh, to another of your panels and one of your guests said, you know, it's okay to go back and fix one of your episodes. I think you can't go and fix all your episodes. That's going to just yeah. be madness. But there was a particular episode that I knew it didn't sound great. And I even got a feedback from a friend of mine. She said, you know, the sound isn't that great. And at the time, I didn't know as much as I know now. And so even yesterday, I went and fixed it. And I was so happy about it. You can just replace the audio, leave it with the same publishing mm -hmm. date and everything. So I think you can apply it, but probably don't do that for every single episode yeah. because <laughs> that will take forever. <laughs> it would, it would. Sophia, do you ever do that for your clients? Do you ever like maybe month, weeks or months later go, oh, wow, I could have fixed it this way? Not anymore because no. I'm... I'm sure in my skills to 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 do it uh, good enough for the publishing mm -hmm. date, so uh, it's not that big of a deal if some details are not that good. Because I learned through years and years doing the audio that nev uh, never it's never ending story. You know, yeah. you can always fix it, <laughs> and even though when you fix it, sometimes it's, it's worse than it was because you're working so much on that same content mm -hmm. that you don't hear it anymore. 
you're just in, in that rabbit hole and uh, I, I wouldn't recommend that if you don't know what you're doing exactly one thing I want to fix that this is the bad thing this one thing or I want just to do different EQ or something like that but I wouldn't go down the rabbit hole and fixing everything and everything and again just publish and and go with with what you did it's mm -hmm. it's your human mistakes happen yeah that's a it good took point long time to to learn that <laughs> yeah <laughs> how far into doing this uh sophia did you feel like you could do it right the first time and not second guess yourself i don't know a few years ago maybe three i don't know something like that because i i was working on uh, a lot of editing for years so that that is just routine for me I am doing like that cleaning I'm sometimes yeah. a bit uh, considering the mix side of it the EQing and compression yeah. and how how is it all fitting together but uh, on editing side I'm pretty sure that everything is good sometimes I make mistakes I, I even when I'm teaching the the boys that are going to help me with editing uh, I I show them that even I make some mistakes. So when I go through my episode that I edited, I find some mistakes, and it's mm -hmm. okay. It's not you don't have to be perfect. Yeah, no, exactly. That was that was my own selfish question because I still feel like there's a massive learning curve, and I feel like I know more about what I don't know than I know what I do know, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> so it's nice to know that that subsides after a while. Christine, what about you? Do you ever go back and fix anything? No, I haven't. I kind of just let the past be in the past. And I don't listen to, I don't really listen to my old episodes because, you know, as you guys know, you know, you've listened to this product, like, I don't know how many times, like, you know it. Um, but I don't, I haven't gone back to like, listen to episode one or two, though, I, I think it'd be nice just for nostalgia. But I think, yeah, for technical, I think I, it would make me want to go back and fix it and then make me highly anxious and highly insecure about all the other, you know, work up until a certain point. And no, just no, because I think what it comes down to is that as long as as long as your message is being communicated and people are understanding and people are connecting, then I think it's going to have to be good enough. Obviously, if the audio is not great, um, doing a lot of remote recording, the guest's audio is not great, maybe you get comments or something like that. But if people can still connect, then it's fine. And you just learn, you move on. Because, I mean... I don't know. It'll drive you crazy. And also, do you have the time? I don't have the time to do that. So. <laughs> I I think about it sometimes because I know some of the things. I remember the, the most difficult episodes that I had to deal with. But I just, again, the time and I don't, I don't know. I have dreams of going back and fixing them, but I don't foresee that happening because I still I'm really I really have that drive to keep going and keep having new conversations and putting those out into the world. So I don't know. I'm not opposed to doing it. I just am super lazy <laughs> going back. We do have a question from the chat room. Teme is asking, how do you do intro, outro, middle jingles? How about music things yourself or do you buy those somewhere? Well, that's a lot. Okay, let's start with, um, do you use music in your podcasts? 
Yes, I use music in my podcast. I have a custom um, podcast theme song. Um, I'm really lucky though because my brother produces music, so he created it for me. And he just asked me like, "What do you want it to sound like?" And because I'm not really into, oh, I'm into music, and I used to play, but he's the music guy. I was just like, you know, like chill hop, and he was like, "What does that mean?" Because <laughs> he's younger than me and cooler than me. So, um, and so we went back and forth for like a couple of hours, and he turned it around for me. For like in like 48 hours so that was really cool um so if you have siblings utilize that um and then for what was the other question like the mid-roll like recording in the mid-roll or the other question was like what do you do with the music like one of them was how you get it and the other one is where do you put it oh i put mine so i have a cold open and then I put the music and then I introduce the episode. And then after basically I do the, I introduce, I do some like housekeeping things. I say like on to the next episode. And then I have music right there. I also have a mid-roll announcement for sponsors or if I have something to say. I use the music to introduce that in the, in the, also in the, um, at the end of that. And then I also use the music for the outro as I have a, another a teaser for the next episode. That's how I use it. Yeah, me too. I tend to use my music as transitions. I tried to do sound beds early on and I, I went down a very, very big rabbit hole of spending way too much time trying to get the volume right. And then inevitably, whenever I played it on my podcast app, it never sounded right. And it always drowned out what was happening in the beginning. So I gave up and just did it between. And I really like it that way because it kind of fades in and out of those sections um and then i heard someone play the entire song of the clips they were playing in one of their podcasts and so i stole that idea and um for me i got my music from a musician that i contacted that i not knew but was in the same small college town that i used to live in and he <laughs> offered me the whole album instead of the song and so i'm using different songs on different podcasts that i have which is just boiling it's absolutely even after two years though i'm like i'll find myself when i'm done with the episode i'll put the full song on at the end of the episode and then i'll just sit there and listen to it and i'm exhausted from editing but i'm like no i want to listen to the song because i like his music so much <laughs> so yep that's me sophia what do you do with your do most of your clients uh use music in their episodes? yes we I think the most podcasters use music for intro and outro. That is the basic stuff. And some some people use it for transition or add spots and to, to make that sections, as you said. But uh, I, there are two ways. One way is to contact some musician or ar artist and, and to have it composed for you, just for your purpose. And the second is to go with stock music. So... I like premiumbeats.com because they give you stems, so it's easier to mix. You you have all the tracks separate, like drums, bass, synths, and it's it's easier to find the the parts even for transitions to pick something and and be creative with that that stems you get. So I like that when I'm using stock music and for composed music and overall music, it's important to stay in the branding of your podcast and in the same feeling, emotions, idea that you're trying to translate to the people. So music is the emotions base in every audiovisual uh, composition. So you you would want to, to be in the in the same feeling that your podcast should be. So that's my recommendation. 
slight legal question that was probably be extremely different from country to country, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, when you purchase music for a client, do you use it just for them? So it's basically under their name or yes. do you use it for multiple? You do. Okay. You, you must use it under their name because when you, when you apply for, to buy the music, you enter mm -hmm. their name and they gotcha. get the license. So it's, I always do it on their name and mm -hmm. uh, give them the PDF license they get. Gotcha. That makes sense. Daniela, how about you? So I use um, royalty-free music and I usually check the copyright uh, rights and the commercial use and everything. So I read all the small print if I can use it. And actually, um, I'll just uh, complete what Sofia was saying about the tone of your podcast kind of relating to the music that you use. I'm actually one of those people who changes the tune all the time. Well, I have a few tunes that I love, but I also interchange them. But just because sometimes you get a little bit of a more upbeat conversation, other times it's more, you know, you talk about problems that are not, you know, more serious and I need a more chill out tone or even just a relaxing tone. So I actually change them from time to time. And I you know, I connected to the to the conversation and I use uh, a bit of the intro and a bit of the outro as well. Yeah. So where do you get your music from? So the, um, on Pixabay and uh, there was a website with uh, classical music, but I forgot now the website, but I can check it quickly and put it in the comments if I can. Oh, that's a good point, because I think like books, uh, music that's that old is often in free comments, isn't it? Like it's it's you're able yes. to use it without okay i think uh, there are some i don't know how many years but after the the people who compose it are dead and yeah. then they are no ancestors they you can get it for free good point well that slides us right into efficiency how do you make your podcast more efficient and this is probably a round i will not participate in because <laughs> i'm not sure i am that efficient yet <laughs> No, I'm, I'm. That was a bad joke. Sorry. <clears throat> so, uh, Daniela, do you want to start us off on efficiency? I think I think I'm on uh, with you on that <laughs> with efficiency. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's, it's because I, I'm still learning, and I think I'm just spending ages editing. But in the same time, I I try to uh, do the things that I can do first before I start actually mm -hmm. listening to the content and editing those little bits. So I do everything that I can quickly. And this even creates the mood of editing because many times I'm, I'm excited about editing. Other times I'm not so excited. So just putting the, the you know, the tunes, the track in there and applying a few quick uh, general, you know, a normalize, equalize, compress or something like that. And if, if I just get these bits done, then at least I feel like I've done something today and I can deal tomorrow with those more fine uh, editing. So I'm not sure how productive I am, but I try to group it like that. I just deal with this and, you know, tick, I've done that. I feel productive today. But sometimes it just takes me hours and hours and hours because I always try new things and I compare. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm not even sure what I'm listening to because after hours of editing, I'm thinking, is this the right sound or am I going crazy? I just need to leave it for the next day. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not that it's a bad, I didn't mean that like I'm not, I'm a very efficient, inefficient person. I just meant it like I'm exploring. So I'm not expecting myself to get, sometimes when I sit down and I work on a, 
on an episode, I know I'm going to try this, that, or this new thing. And I know it's going to take me longer than it would if I would just do it from start to finish. So it's just, it's, it's a compromise and it's well worth it. Christine, how about you? Yeah. How to be efficient. What I've learned is that efficiency and editing really starts in pre-production with like guest preparation because I've had too many guests, uh, you know, record in like a ceramic kitchen or some like weird echoey echo chamber craziness and then having to work with that audio or um, other kinds of like weird things where people are like, you'll just do it and you'll just, you'll just, you'll just, you'll just clean that up. Right. And you're like, no, I won't because, you know, that takes hours and hours for, um, of editing for things that could just be done in pre-production. So telling them how to record. I even have a little like diagram that I found on Twitter about how to do local recording, like on their phone and stuff like that. You know, make sure they have headphones, stuff like that. Um, and also because mine is interview based, making sure that my guests are well prepped or as prepped as possible for the questions so that they can really think about it. Also, because my my podcast is really story based, telling them you like for these questions, I'd like a story <laughs> if you have one so that they can be comfortable and they and so that there's less dead time or weirdness or weird transitions in the story. Right. So um, that helps with efficiency, because if all things are golden, when I have that raw audio and I'm I'm sitting down to edit it really is kind of like I know exactly where my narration is already going to go. Um, I'm looking at the time. Okay, this might be a bonus episode. And it's really lovely and beautiful. And I, you know, I can tighten up the story a little bit. And it's not like going everywhere. But so for me, it has to be in, in, in pre-production. That's been the biggest, biggest lesson. Gotcha, gotcha. Sophia? I agree with Christine. The the first thing you have to do good is to have a great recording. So everything starts from that. If you have bad recording, there's not much you can do. You can make it better, but it's never going to sound great. So that is the first thing that uh, preparation and getting the best audio quality at the beginning. And the second thing, I'm on the geek side of this conversation, but I don't know. I'm in. I'm technical part of the podcast production, so I use very much templates. I use in for specific because I work with same podcasts from week to week. I have templates for the hosts. I have some basic template for the guests, with that I change. It, it depends how they sound in their recording, but. I have the templates also. I have, I use a lot of uh, hotkeys and short commands for editing. And I use uh, mouse buttons to assign a lot of short keys so I don't have to move my hands a lot. And <laughs> and I'm I'm considering to having the vertical mouse now, but I'm I'm working on, on figuring out that. But uh, for me, it's uh, efficiency is that I learned that with my, my mentor <laughs> while I was on college. We had to know all of the short commands. It was a must. So it really helps. Yeah, I just found out about a vertical mouse recently and I'm it's on my it's on my wish list. It's happening at some point. It sounds yes. it looks on amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that lets us go down a, a, a doll question. Yay. Um, what tools do you use to uh, to edit? And I'm saying tools, not just, just DAWs, because I know there's multiple things that is more than just the digital audio workstation. So, Sophia, what, what, do you, what tools do you use? So, uh, current, currently, regarding the DAW, I'm in Adobe Audition. I, re I was previously in Cubase and previously in Pro Tools, so I know uh, a lot of uh, software, but, but because of the agency I'm working in, Legacy Podcasting, they, they, they were in Adobe Audition, so it was easier to communicate with other editors and all of them. And I really love Adobe Audition for editing, I think, because of their also using the Premiere and their... They're very good at the process of editing. You have that some shortcuts that are great, and you can assign them on your own. For example, on Pro Tools, you can't assign your short commands. That that bothers me very much. But, <laughs> but I use uh, Adobe Audition. I use uh, Isotope RX uh, because there is no cleaning without that. But in Audition, you have great uh, spectral view, so there you can clean some plosives and clicks also. That is the second reason I really love it. And I use Fab Filter for EQs and not not much. I'm I'm trying to stay with the doll that uh, native plugins for now. And I don't uh, I was trying out a lot of different plugins and that that led me to rabbit hole of uh, every, with each session trying out new and new and new and then I got to the phase I'm re reverting back to native plugins and using just some that I think that are great for like third party VSTs. Yeah, and we've had a lot of panelists. <clears throat> excuse me, we've had a lot of panelists talk about how intimidating or just um, how many options there are in Adobe Audition. Sophia, was there, did you learn that when you were back in school or did you learn it afterwards? And do you have any recommendations on where people can learn Adobe Audition? In so, kind of, yeah. I think each DAW is the, essentially the same, but you have to learn that infrastructure. So mm -hmm. with, with Adobe Audition, the different thing is that spectral view and that thing that you can do uh, it is destructive when you do something on that it is automatically saved into the file so that is important to know but it's also great to have for example i use a lot of markers there and then when you move move the file on the timeline markers stay with with that spot always so there are some some things i learned on on the way on the go so that really helped me be more efficient for uh, choosing the short clips and while I'm editing, I can pinpoint the the spots in the in the audio clip. But I learned it from the internet. It I I know the basic of how the door works. Uh, each each is the same, and then just learning where is that in Adobe Audition and learning the the power <laughs> power of Adobe Audition for some some things that other doors don't have. Gotcha, gotcha. Daniela, how about you? What tools do you use? So um, I use Audacity and since listening to your panel last time, I've heard about Isotope RX and I just wanted to ask Sophie actually, uh, because I only started using it recently. At the moment, I'm doing all uh, my editing on Audacity and then I run it at the end through Isotope 
uh, when do at what point do you use isotope? I'm interested to know because it's very new for me. <laughs> so I tend to do uh, first do cleaning. So, for example, if you have uh, a lot of noise when you uh, do all of the editing and then then make it louder, it will bring up the noise and all unwanted sound. So you'd want to do the isotope before uh, the editing and mixing. So I usually do the cleaning first and then editing and mixing. Uh, thank you for that because I was doing the opposite. <laughs> so now I know. Okay. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so I use these tools and um, that's it. <laughs> and Christine, what tools do you use to edit? I utilize the script. I really like it. I, I think it works well with... Um, my editing background, which is very minimal. Um, I come from a writing background and so it's visual and it works well for me, especially for storytelling. I can mark it. Um, and it's always kind of having new um, improvements and things like that. And it's actually, it's a, I think it's a really good uh, podcaster, podcaster newbie kind of uh, editing equipment. So Descript keeps adding on lots of different um, features. I'm still using them for filler words, but I I haven't quite spent enough time on the transcript feature, but I, I think they also have like an audiogram feature and different kinds of things. So what do you do with them exactly, usually? Well, I, I don't use them for audiograms. I just pull separate, I create different compositions and create and pull the audio and I create my audiograms in Headliner. Um, because I have custom like graphics to go with it. I use it, um, so I'll upload the file, I'll clean it up, um, and then I'll use it to really completely format and edit my podcast. And it's worked really, really well. Um, it definitely had a huge learning curve for me. Um, and I, and it's not perfect. I think obviously it's definitely not a Pro Tools or an Adobe Audition, but I think it gets the job done for the podcast newbie for sure, especially for content. And it, and it does have some cleaning capabilities as well. So you just use Descript. You don't use Descript and then another DAW or a DAW? Um, well, I primarily use Descript. It depends on if I'm having any kinds of like major, major problems. When I first started recording and editing, um, I had a sound designer friend that could help clean up some of the echo until I could learn how to do it. But now because of pre-production and my guests are, knock on wood, are really on point right now, <laughs> I can just utilize the script. That's interesting. I was wondering if there, if people were going to start going that direction because they keep building on so many different things that I was wondering if if folks would just not use. The, I don't know. Is Descript even considered a DAW? It is. I think it is. But it is? It, okay. it's some uh, mix of, of different things to fit the podcaster's needs. So I think it's mainly for podcasters. But I think it's great. And it's updating like each week. <laughs> they're asking me, download new version. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're doing a lot of things behind the scenes. But I, I love to use them with clients who are uh, story driven and they like to do their mm -hmm. uh, first hand of editing with narrative podcast. And mm -hmm. then you can export timeline for Adobe Audition or uh, interchange format for 
for Pro Tools and other DAWs to import, and then your editor can fine tune the the whole thing. So mm -hmm. we, I use it on the side. I, I advise clients how to do their part if they're story driven and they want to to have the first hand on the content edits, and then I do the polishing. So did they move around the text itself, and then they send you the audio that comes from that? They share the project with me, and you mm -hmm. can go export project and mm -hmm. then export as you as you wish. So I export it as Adobe Audition. You can project. Yeah. You can export it directly from there, and then I do my job. Yeah, yeah. But but what they're doing, what the client's doing, is they're just they're moving around pieces of the of the narrative. Yes. Yes. Is that true? Okay. Oh, that's really clever. Yeah, the, I I need more time in the week to explore Descript. Um, I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface. But yeah, every time I go in and look and do one thing, I notice they have new things that are available. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. So um, how about podcast editing mentors or even audio mentors? Um, they don't have to be people that you know, but is there anybody that inspired you to do what you do or anybody that has inspired you while you've been doing it to do it differently? Um, Christine, can we start with you? Yeah, um, I am I am an NPR kid. I, I, I grew up with National Public Radio um, and all of their reporting and their different types of podcasts and programming. So I think that... Um, you know, probably Ira Glass and This American Life is like a big mentor, though they don't know it. I really enjoy how they set up their podcast. I really enjoy the storytelling. They have a theme. They have several vignettes or sometimes just one and how they really um, put together something that moves. It moves and yet is so compelling and 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 still so impactful. Um and I think they also use, they utilize, you know, common speech in whoever they're interviewing. And obviously they have to probably clean up a little bit, but it still is warm. It still um, feels relatable. So for me, that's like, that's, that, that's the, the goal is to some, somehow ever like become somewhat like a This American Life podcast. That's my, that's my golden, I don't know, goal. So um, I've been doing what I thought was editing uh, until I was speaking to a fellow podcaster who is from Moldova as well. And I was asking him how did he remove some, uh, you know, extra noise. And then he did a call with me and he recorded the call. He shared his screen. He shared all the steps that he was doing. And this is when I realized, oh, my God, I'm not doing editing. I don't know what I'm doing. So he taught me step by step and he sent me that recording. And then a week after, he called me again for me to practice on my own audio. And he he followed the steps with me and he saw how I learned that. So what I wanted to say is that I see that a lot in the podcasters community. I really feel like being part of a community because even though you have a lot of videos on YouTube that you can learn, sometimes it's so important to have a person guide you. Like I, I had the luck to, you know, to have this friend of mine who taught me all these things. 
But I also see it, of course, with this panel that you're doing, Steph, it's really amazing. I've been learning a lot from that. And also, I can say same about you. Anytime I ask you a question, you come back with a lot of answers for me. And you said the same thing. Let's do a call and I'll show you. I'll, I'll show you the screen. I'll go through this with you. So I think it's really important. I see that a lot with podcasters. And if you are struggling with something, just reach out to a podcaster. And I'm sure they're most of them, they're more than happy to share um, you know, things with you. So I find a lot of mentors around me that uh, are willing to teach me all these things, you know, and they're very generous with their time. So thank you. And I'm grateful to all of you. <laughs> thank you. But honestly, people did the same thing for me when I first started. And, and not even that I was saying, oh, I, I need help with this. I would just do something or ask a question of someone and they'd say the same thing. Oh, let's hop on a call and do this. And I'm like, really? Cool. And yeah, share their screens and do all that kind of stuff. And so I just, I love doing that in exchange when I do know how to do something and share it. So it's just, it's fun. And podcasters are people that like to talk. So it's, you know, it lends itself to the experience. Uh, Sophia, uh, how about you? Audio mentors? I had the... Uh... As I said, I went to school for audio. It is it was the school that involved uh, theater, radio, and film production. So we are into that cultural space. So there, I I had my main main courses that were audio production, and one one professor did ask me to work in his studio after I finished the the studies, and then I learned from him a lot a lot more while working. So that constantly did did my part of the job then he said no you, there are a lot of clicks you there there's click here i didn't hear the that sounds then that that precise editing and cleaning stuff so his name is ogden popich and he he's a sound designer and mixer for films so i learned a lot of from him so he he shaped my my ears into editing years that's fantastic Audio mentors. I've been listening to podcasts and audio sp stories for so long that it would be impossible for me to list everybody. But for editing specifically, I think watching Emily Prokop and Carrie Caulfield Eric do their thing just so casually, both in Just Busters and on Instagram, really made me realize, not that I was intimidated by tech, but I, I have a very short tech patience. And watching them slow down and kind of explore and and have fun with it made me more patient because I was like well if I just breathe and get over the fact that I don't know how to do it yet and just play with it then it, it can be different and it did and it really transformed um, my own not to say the same word over and over but my own patience with the process and I did start to enjoy it a lot which is surprising because everybody that knew me the first two years of podcasting, my podcasting experience is like, didn't you say you, that was the first thing you would outsource? Didn't you say you hate editing? And I did. I really did. But it was that patience obstacle that I had to overcome. Uh, I forgot to mention those groups that you you mentioned, Jazz Busters and mm -hmm. Podcast Editors Club. So I, did, I, I didn't know about those groups. So the last year I, I just jumped into Podcast Editors Club and it was like I found my place. It was th that great community and Podcast Editors Academy and uh, people can learn a lot from them. So I recommend those two groups, as you mentioned, the Jazz mm -hmm. Busters for uh, female editors and mm -hmm. uh, podcast editors club they're great so they're it fantastic. is that that community that can teach you a lot 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also a lot of the DAWs have their own groups on Facebook too, like I'm in a Hindenburg one, a Reaper one, and an Audition one, even though I've never used Reaper successfully. There's some interesting conversations that go on there. So I'm kind of watching it going, oh, that's nice. <laughs> so those are really helpful things. Although it's not just podcast uh, editors, it's it's just audio, but you can still learn a ton. And it's really nice to meet people outside of podcasting too and see what they're doing with it. Um, as well. So yeah, there's a lot of groups, a lot of resources, a lot of community in the space. Having said that, um, how do you encourage other women to get into podcast editing or to get further into it? Sophia? Sophia, I did it again. I'm so sorry. I'm very visual and I see that J and I just, ugh, my brain. Anyway. So I, I I was never the person who who separated men and women, and I I started I was the only woman on my class at my college, so I was always surrounded by guys, but I didn't mind that. So I had some some my some of my friends joined the the college, and I worked with my friend Dora for a long long a long time. So I encourage all of the people not just women but men and women to to be courageous and to take action and to learn and to explore the things that are they are interested in there are no no obstacles you have internet now you have a lot of resources you can learn everything so you just just do it like nike said <laughs> christine um you know i i really don't get that question I don't really get like people's being like they're not sure they want to get into podcast editing I get a lot of women who are interested in starting their podcast and what I always tell them is that they really should like be hands-on from the very beginning and learn all the parts and pieces which include editing before outsourcing just so that they can really find their point of view find their voice find an audience um, before kind of giving up that um, that part of the show, because I think it's I think it's a it's probably like any kind of project. You need to learn all the different parts at least, you know, so that you know how to vet a competent and amazing sound, you know, an editor. If you're going to outsource it, if you don't know what it is, you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what your sound is, you don't know these things, you don't know what it should be or how long it should take, all these things, then how can you really vet someone um, that's a good fit for you and your show? So that's kind of how I go about it. Uh, I'm, I haven't been in a situation where I had to encourage someone to do editing particularly, but um, I try to share my enthusiasm on Instagram. So sometimes I just take a picture of, uh, you know, the track and while editing and be like, being like, yay, I'm so exciting. And hopefully I'll get people excited and, con uh, you know, with all my ex excitement. But um yeah, hopefully just by being part of this panel as well and sharing it as much as I can, I can encourage other people to go into editing as well. For me, I didn't specifically go into like Dustbusters or those kinds of groups to to just talk to women, which sounds kind of intuitive. I just was looking for different podcast editing spaces to kind of listen to what other people were doing and kind of learn from them. But I did find that it was a, a different kind of space. And so I've kind of now, not kind of, I am now seeking out these spaces and not doing them instead of mixed gender spaces. Um, yeah. 
there's a lot to unpack with that. But <laughs> basically, I just I, I want to be everywhere and I want to hear everything that's going on with with the editing and the audio. And I think it is a giant rabbit hole and I am willingly jumping in and seeing what happens with it. So um, if that means doing stuff like this that is gender specific, then and it encourages other people who might be hesitant and so be it. That sounds too fast. Yeah. Sorry to jump in. I think you're yeah. great that they're doing that because I think it's really important to empower women specifically. I mean, um, as Sophia was saying, we're not, you know, dividing female and male and mm -hmm. we're not looking at it that way. But it is also important to empower women to do that and to meet other women doing that. So I think it's great. We're not uh, separating it, but I think it's a great way to empower women. So. I was in also doing some in music industry, DJing and stuff, stuff like that. So I I was asked by people a lot about how how are you doing like women in that industry and how how are you coping with men, all of the men? Do do you get underestimated? Do you, but I I never look at it like that. I look at it. I can do everything that I want. So I think that is the way to look at it. You. You can do everything you want, even even though they are not. You you can find a lot of support online. If you don't have locally support, mm -hmm. you can find a lot of support in groups we mentioned because they are all great people that are leading mm -hmm. those groups, and you can you can learn a lot from them. So I think you just have to do do believe in yourself and do not do not think that that you can't do something. You can do everything. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, oh, what's nicest thing? Okay. One final question from the chat room. What's the nicest thing that your nicest thing with podcast? What do you like the most about podcasting? Oh, well, that's a big question. <laughs> um, for me, it's going to be the community. Daniela, what do you think? Uh, for me, it's really important to get feedback. And although I don't have a huge following and huge uh, audience, uh, it's so important to get those messages uh, and people telling me that it impacted them in, in a certain way. Uh, and that's amazing for me. I get um, the whole purpose by doing that, just knowing that someone will listen to it and will get an information or an emotion or it will help them somehow. So, yeah, that's that's the greatest thing I get from it. Christine? Oh, gosh, it is a big question. Uh, there's so many things that I love about podcasting. You know, I sat on my idea for po for this podcast for like a year, and I really didn't think I could do it. I, you know, I had imposter syndrome, all these things. And it really has changed my life in so many different ways. And it's changed my audience's life. My podcast is about Black women who live and thrive abroad. And a lot of women have gone abroad and they said that the podcast helped to give them the confidence to go abroad. It's also really helped me to um, start liking my voice because like most people who hear themselves, you know, on a, on a voicemail or something, you're like, is that me? How do I have any friends? Like what? <laughs> you know? And it's helped me to start liking my voice. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it and it, it, it has really helped to, I don't know, channel something different inside of me. It's a it's an amazing creative format. Um, 
that I really like to use to showcase other women whose voices may not usually be heard. So I love all of that. I, I love the whole thing. It's been really transformative for me. Apart from I do the backend stuff, I really enjoy listening to podcasts. So every time I'm driving, I'm listening to podcasts. And I, I before I was listening to radio when I was younger. So I really enjoy that format and that kind of translating the message with you have to be you have to use your imagination to 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 have the whole picture so you can listen to podcasts while doing anything so it's like my companion i have few podcasts that i really love and every time i get the time to do, to multitask something i turn on the podcast and i'm like yeah it's time for me to listen to podcasts not only do the podcast so since i don't have my own but i if i get the time i would like live love to start my own podcast but for now i just enjoy listening to podcasts while i'm not doing it as work that's the one thing that has changed for me a lot since i started doing editing for clients is now my listening time for my the own podcast my own podcast to listen to my own podcast not mine but oh gosh at the end of the hour, I have completely lost the ability to say a sentence. <laughs> the ability to listen to podcasts that I like um, outside of my clients' ones has gone down because I've been doing more work with it. So it's uh, I need more time in the day to listen to not just stuff for work, but stuff for me. <laughs> yes, when I'm driving, that that is my time to, yeah. to listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to do just a quick, few bleh, a couple I've really lost it here <laughs> a few quick wrap-up things and then we'll go around and tell people where they can find all of your information and projects so panelists please sit tight for one second okay probably more than one second um so this is the last panel I, I'm a little bit sad but the good news is we're coming back in the fall and um, and the one the previous ones and this one will be available again on YouTube and in Geopets podcasting on your podcast app uh, and at the link that I just put in the chat room at uh, stephfuccio.com forward slash Geopets podcasting. I also want to give a shout out to Ronald Paredes who did our new logo. Um, he did our logo just before we started the panels, and I'm very excited to be flashy new. We are doing this. Uh, on air and coffee. <laughs> but if you'd like to donate towards the cause, uh, uh, the cause uh, towards the event, we do have a buy me a coffee, which I just put in the chat room. <laughs> uh, but if you're just listening, it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash geopets. We greatly appreciate any donations at all. Again, we'll be coming back in the fall and we already have a sign up form for any podcast editors who would like to join us. We are a global event and we encourage folks from around the world to join us to talk about their podcast editing. I used to be a language teacher, so if doing this in English is intimidating in any way, shape or form, I am super happy to help and coach and do whatever so that your voice can be heard in these platforms. So I'm offering that as well. Not as a service, just as a courtesy, because I know this is hard enough as doing it in my mother tongue. I can only imagine what it's like to do it in other languages. That's it for me. Let's find out where we can find the information about our wonderful panelists. Christine, where can people find your stuff? 
Yeah, thank you so much, Steph, for putting this together. And thank you, lovely ladies. This has been so interesting just to sit and chat with you guys. You can uh, find my podcast at www.flourishintheforeign.com. Follow my podcast across all social media channels at Flourish Foreign. And you can also listen to it on any any major or all, probably all, <laughs> all major distributors and all platforms, Flourish in the Foreign. Yeah, and thank you guys. Great. Sophia, is there a website or something that you can share? Uh, I, I can't share because I, I'm not logged in, so I can't make comment. But if you could share my website, uh, it's called uh, zvuk.rs. It's zvuk.rs. It's the the website from my, my own agency. And also you yep. can find me on LinkedIn as Sophia. Sophie as Jovanov, Jovanov. So you can you can find me. I I realized that I just uh, entered my name here. So no worries, I got it. It's in the chat room. Thank now. you, Steph. It was yeah, great. Yeah, no worries. It was great. I really enjoyed talking to you all, and it it is my pleasure to talk about podcasting with such amazing women. Thank you, Daniela. I share the same feelings. It, it was amazing experience and nice to meet you all and nice to talk about it. And thank you to all of uh, you who uh, are involved in the comments. Uh, and you can find me on my website, moldovanabroad.com, or the podcast is also called Moldovan Abroad. Uh, it's available on all major platforms that you uh, listen to usually to your podcast. The information for all of the panels and the replays, I'm also going to put again here and as the replays become available they'll be on that page as well um, this has been a phenomenal experience both this panel and all of the other ones that we've done this month to be able to reach out to people um, some that I knew and a lot that I didn't and say hey would you like to come and talk about podcasting podcast editing for an hour with complete strangers and people saying yes and and showing up and being amazing has just blown me away has blown me away and um, I can't wait to do it again in the fall. <clears throat> okay, we need to go before I completely lose my voice, but thank you to all of our wonderful panelists. Thank you to the folks in the chat room. Again, I do have uh, da, 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 a podcast editing newsletter and we'll have announcements and, and call and the form for people who want to be involved in the future panels and so much more and my goofy sound moments that I share every week on Thursday and all kinds of stuff. You can sign up at stephfuccio.com to stay in the loop of all that. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much and have a wonderful whatever time of day it is for you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I love that we're pod ladies now. <laughs> <laughs>